into it i've been aware of you for a long time thanks to drive through records thanks to working with mike fiola etc etc so i'm so glad to see that this memoir happened one thing i couldn't figure out though is when you started writing it well that's a i wrote sort of the initial essays for the book probably in the summer of 2019 Mm-hmm. So that was kind of when I had like the genesis of the idea arrived where I, I had had this, th- there was this situation where my sort of the, the grand piano that I grew up playing, the one that I learned to play on, started writing music on, um, my parents were moving and I found out, uh, you know, sort of after the fact that they were planning on selling it and I was like in shock <laughs> and, and, sure. uh, and, um, and so I found myself, you know, sitting down just, uh, I was in an airport in, in, in Orange County waiting to fly to one of a million places, I'm sure at that point. And, and, and ended up having this, like writing this essay, which was a conversation with that piano. Um, and it was, it, it just sort of put me back in my, in my childhood and, and what it was like to come up with, uh, uh, you know, an instrument almost as your best friend, you know? And, uh, and so I had done that. And at that point I shipped it off to my manager. I said, you know, I, because I'd been approached about doing books in the past and I was like, I had start, I would, I had put my toe in the water, but I couldn't find a way in. And I hit up my manager and I said, I think this is, I think this is a way for me to tell my story, you know? And, um, so we had started having conversations with, with publishers and, and, and had gotten a deal kind of teed up, but wasn't sure when I was going to have the time to do it, you know? And, you know, fast forward to March of 2020. And, uh, I mean, I remember yeah, in the day, yeah, I remember in the days leading up to the lockdown, you know, when it seemed really apparent that, that the lights were about to turn out for all of us and that my tour probably wasn't going to happen. And I, I, I think my wife looked at me and she said, this is your chance. And, and, uh, and so I began sort of in earnest in March of 2020. Got it. I am a terrible reader in that, if I like the topic, I will devour the book in a day, day and a half. But if it's fiction, I can't do it. I can really only read memoirs and books about music. So naturally, your book is in my wheelhouse. <laughs> I'm curious if you read a lot of memoirs before writing this book. I read a, I read a couple, um, but it was not. It wasn't really once I once I got into the the writing of the book. It, it, I really couldn't even get myself to read anything. I mean, I, I, I didn't start reading again until, until like a few months ago. Cause it was just like, it, I was so locked. It's the same way I am when I'm working on like an album. A lot of times I just have to shut down all right, other right. noise and, and just throw myself at it. But I did read a few. I read a, uh, I read um, one about this, the, the chef I'm going to, I'm spacing on her name now, but the book was called burn the place. I found it to be a really, uh, a really great memoir. My publisher actually sent that to me and said, I, I think, you know, this is, something that was done really well. Um, and I did, yeah, I mean, I, I read a couple others, but it was, it was, I think for me, uh, because I was just jumping into a whole universe of, of, uh, an art form that, well, I, you know, I read quite a bit. It, it was nothing that I've, you know, it's nothing that I've tried to do before. And I, I felt in a way like I did when I first started writing music, which was, 
perhaps if I just do this blind and on instinct um, with some good guidance uh, from my publisher, you know, as I'm finishing pages, that that would be better than trying to emulate or, or onboard too much of what other people have already done, you know, um, yeah. uh, whether that pays off for me in the end has yet to, has yet to be seen, but, uh, but that was my approach. I find that extremely generalizing on my end, there's really two kinds of musician related memoirs. There's the one where the person clearly doesn't remember too much. And it's like, here's the cool stuff I did. It's basically an extended Wikipedia entry like if you read vince neal from motley Crue's book you go yeah. okay clearly he doesn't remember anything and then there's other people who just lead into it where the the first page of the book is so there i am in the er they tell me i have 30 seconds to live and it's super candid and you're super candid and you seem to remember everything which <laughs> it's it's kind of that but at the same time, it's not like a recovery memoir. So I'm curious if you knew outright what the story was before you started writing it. Well, look, I, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll only push back against the idea that I remember everything. Cause I, I, I definitely don't, you know, and I, I think there are places within the book that, that I, I make a really specific point to say, this is, this is where this lands for me. You know, the, I think the beauty of memoir is, is it gives you the, uh, it gives you the freedom to paint a, a visual picture, but it also gives you a little attitude to say like, these are my memories. This isn't necessarily a statement of fact, you know? And, and, um, but of course I lean towards the things I remembered better than others, you know? Um, but I, I didn't really know what the story was going to be honestly, when I started writing it, when I, when I, when I began the book, I, I actually thought the whole book was just going to be an extended conversation with my, my three favorite pianos. I mean, that was really, that was the, the brief that I pitched to the publisher in, in the early, uh, in the early stages. And when I sat down to do that, um, you know, of course I found myself mowing through a lot of, a lot of fertile ground just in these sort of piano conversations. And mm -hmm. I remember turning in, you know, I remember turning in the, uh, the first, my sort of first draft of what I was working on for piano one, you know, and it was, it was, I don't even remember how many pages, but I, I, I think my, my publisher just went through and like uh, with uh, some effect of a digital highlighter and was like, what is that about? And what is that about? You know? And I, I, I think a lot of the, um, there were a lot of stories I didn't plan on telling. There were a lot of, you know, I think the book really turns out to be a, a book about family and, and trauma and, and addiction and disease. And these are things that have been very present, uh, uh, parts of my life at different, at different times. And, and, um, you know, I, I don't think I planned on getting into those things as much as I ended up doing so, but it, it, it became, I think where the book really became a, a therapeutic tool for me and, and hopefully one for other people who read it, you know, that, uh, it gave me a platform to, to more deeply navigate through some of these, these unresolved, uh, you know, issues and tensions and things that I, 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 as try as I may over years of therapy, you know, never really, right. never really put down on, in words in, in, a, in a way that, that, you know, like I did here that helped me process through them. Well said. Wow. Well, without a spoiling too much, <laughs> is it a spoiler? It's your life in a way, but it ends in the wilderness era of your life, that part of your career. So that begs the question, could we see a second book based on the fact that, hey, you haven't spoken much about 2014 to 2021 and really the process of the, making the Wilderness album? 
Yeah, I mean, look, I, I I will be perfectly honest that just writing this book alone was such a journey, and I'm not sure I would have done it if I had known how, how much of my how much of my blood yeah. and sweat it would have taken. Um, but yeah, I, I look, I I think the um, I think it felt like a natural jumping off point for me. I wasn't sure, like, like I said earlier, I wasn't sure what story I was writing. And, and strangely, when I got to that, that final scene, which I won't totally give away, um, it did in so many ways feel like the, the natural conclusion of all the themes that I had developed throughout the book. You know, there was, there was so much, uh, there was so much power in that scene for me, professionally and personally. Um, and, and it, it felt solution to so many of the things that were covered in the book that I, I, that's where I made just, I just knew as soon as it was written that it was, this is where I was jumping off. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I hope I have a long life and, and certainly I, I think the, uh, there's a lot to be, there's a lot to be talked about in, in this most recent chapter of, of living. Um, yeah. You know, I figure, I, I, I figure let's, let's get, let's get through this one first and then, and then, uh, you know, see if, if there's a, if there's a demand for that, I'll do some more, I'll do some more living and, and come back around for sure. Fingers crossed. Uh, given the title and the concept of the book, I'm curious if there was any interaction with the comedian, Neil Brennan. No, no. I mean, I know, I mean, I know of, I, I, I correct me if I'm wrong, but doesn't Neil work with Chappelle? Is that, yeah, he yeah. Created, he co-created Chappelle's show, and he had a special called Three Mics. Are, are you aware oh, really? of Three Mics? No, I'm not familiar with it. What's the what's the what's the background? I, I'm not assuming everyone in the world saw it or anything like that. I mean, people can have parallel ideas, but basically, it was a live performance. That I think was a Netflix special where okay. one mic was for one-liners, one mic <laughs> was for. Um, kind of anecdotal stories and one was for confessions so it's like gotcha. a joke was be happening here a long form and then a sad revelatory thing so i didn't know if there was anyone on your team that went look you've got an entirely original book but just be aware there's there's a thing called three mics oh yeah no i have not I've, i'm totally unaware of it i mean i do i mean i was a Chappelle junkie as a, as a kid and and have certainly kept up with Chappelle. and i think that's where i have sort of a uh 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 a frame of reference for, for who Neil Brennan is, but no, I haven't seen his, I haven't seen the special. So yeah, I mean, I guess, uh, I, guess I guess, I guess we'll see if it comes back to bite me in the ass, but, uh, but, uh, so but, uh, now I mean, now I'm going to check it out. Cause I think he's, he's, he's obviously pretty brilliant. Definitely. And so, as you mentioned, the book really took shape during the pandemic because you had time to do stuff. Was that the only creativity coming out of you or were there, was there also some songwriting going on at the same time that you were doing the book? Honestly, it was all book. I, I mean, I've I've since since wrapping up the book, I've been like working tirelessly in the studio and and writing tons of music and and uh, and there was there was definitely a moment in um, I guess it was it was sometime before for Christmas that I found myself sort of sitting you know like if you can see my this is this is my writing space and sort of oh. so that's like that's the couch where most of the book got written and then over my my shoulder on this side is the piano is actually the second piano that's, that's talked about in the book. And um, yeah. And there was a moment where I said, you know, where I, you know, we were approaching a, you know, Christmas and new year's our pandemic Christmas and new year's. And I was just like, Oh my God. And I did find myself sitting at the piano. I wrote a song called the new year song, just with this, this hope of, 
of, uh, uh, you know, maybe 2021 being better than, than 2020 had been for all of us. Um, and so, yeah, that was the one song I wrote in the, in the process. Uh, I mean, I, I definitely played piano and, 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 you know, zenned out and never, you know, never kept anything, but just sort of played, but, um, but that was about the extent of it. Something that you called to uh, before is that how much work it is writing a book. Unfortunately, I know how hard that is. When I interviewed Ben Folds about his memoir, he was talking about that too, like that it was maybe the hardest project that he ever had. Yeah. What was it that, besides having a contract and a, an attached advance, what was it that he got you to finish it that, that made you say, okay, I have to do this? I think it's just once you're in it. Uh, I mean, for me, I, I'm, I'm a... a I'm a stickler about loose ends, you know, and, and, and I, I'm, I think more so in my, in my thirties than any other time in my life, uh, finishing things is very important to me, you know, and, and, and I think, uh, I had opened up so many cans of worms with, <laughs> with in, in, in just the initial process of writing that in some way, I think spiritually, uh, and for my own like well-being and mental health, like I had to find my way through them. Uh, and, and, and in a weird way, the book was really, uh, it was a, a vehicle towards empathy and, and forgiveness and, you know, understanding and, and forgiveness not for just for other people, but for myself and, 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 you know, for sort of packing up periods of time in my life that have been loose ends and have sort of, stayed in the back of my mind and, and come and go whether you know, they're relevant or not. But um, yeah, I, I just felt like it was essential to, to finish it. Um, and I also like, I, I work on, I work on a deadline and I have become, I've become sort of a stickler about deadlines too. I mean, I blew past this one on a number of occasions, but, uh, but I, I felt like it was important to, to do it and to be done with it. And I wanted it to be done when the lights came back on and the rest of the world. So I could get back to doing what I, what I actually know how to do, which is make music. Um, and, and, and I, and I feel, you know, I feel good about that. I feel, you know, I, I, I spent, I spent my, my crazy COVID year, you know, doing something I'm proud of and, and, and challenging myself in a way that I, 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 I think creatively I haven't, um, you know, I haven't put my feet to the fire in such a, a sort of ridiculous and, and, uh, a new fashion for myself. So, um, yeah, I was, I was glad to get through it. And one of the things that comes about towards the end of the book is it references having great new management that's helping you mm -hmm. focus. And if it is the management that I still think it is, it's run by a person who had a couple of major label deals himself, JD. Yes, and correct. That's the correct. Okay. So yeah. I was curious when he told you at a certain point in time, Hey, you should work with outside songwriters. Was that something that you fought against or something you immediately saw value with? Well, you know, it's interesting because JD wasn't the first, wasn't the person to do that initially. He was definitely the, the one who I think harnessed it and made it a soulful process for me. Um, you know, I, I talk about this in the book, but the first, I mean, really the first outside songwriting session I, I went into other than, um, other than the stuff that I did, 
like with friends, you know, like I worked with Matt from Lion K on, on, on a couple of Jack's mannequin records. And I worked with, uh, um, Mark from OAR on a couple of songs on their records. But, um, the first like sort of like LA songwriting session was with this, this dude, Fernando Garibay, who, you know, was one of Lady Gaga's producers. And, and that got set up through my old publisher and, and, and it was actually through my, my old publisher, Ron Perry, who's now the, uh, the president at Columbia, yeah, um, yeah. or yeah, is it Sony? I don't remember anymore, uh, <laughs> but, um, but, uh, but it was actually Ron after I had sort of let go of previous management and moved on where I said, where I was just ready for a change. I was getting stronger. I think, uh, uh, sort of, you know, my, my, I, I was wrapping up a lot of like the, the cancer years and ready to move in a new direction. And I, I was like, Ron, what's the weirdest room you could put me in? And he put me in with Fernando. Um, and I, I mean, I fell in love with Fernando. I just thought he was amazing and he taught me so much. Um, and then I, and then when I started getting exciting about writing and I was getting put into some sessions and I was feeling like, okay, I have maybe I have new music in me. I don't want to just like, whatever. I don't want to just throw it away. Um, that's, you know, and I had, I'd made, I'd made the EP, most of the EP with, with Mark Williams. And then I, I, I again went to Ron cause he was sort of my, my de facto uh, liaison to the music business at that point. And, and he said, you should talk to, to Jonathan. And I'd known Jonathan and Bob forever um, just cause we overlapped in, in our worlds. But, uh, mm-hmm. but they, uh, it, it was, it was Ron who said, I, that you should go to crush. These guys are there they're the best at what they do, but they're also the most inclined to like, you know, give, give the artists a, a soulful experience, but also steer them towards their best music, you know, and, and, and make bold choices. And, and I certainly found that and have found that to be the case with, with them. They've, they've really, uh, you know, they focused me on the things that matter, which is writing big songs that, that, that come from the heart and finding ways to get people to hear them, you know? Yeah. Praise to crush music. Yeah, media management, whatever their name is these days. The yeah. two quick questions, and then you're a free man. The first one comes out of nowhere, just like the second one is. Sure. The first one. Do you have a favorite song by Van Halen? Do I have a favorite? I, I mean, I will. I will pick a very probably unpopular uh, song, but it's just because when I grew up, you know, and it would it would be right now. <laughs> Can you play right now on piano? I mean, I haven't, I haven't tried. I think I could, I think I probably could, but, uh, but I mean, just as like, as a, I mean, what was it like as a kid, I think it was probably in the second grade and that, you know, those, those anthems were, were, were huge. Granted, it was a much later era of Van Halen, but I, I, I love that jam. Not a bad answer. And the last question, do you have a TV recommendation you could pass along to somebody who needs a new show to start? Oh man, I watch so much TV. I could go on, I could go on for days. I mean, I, I, I like most, uh, most people are, are, are really into this white Lotus show right now. Um, yes. The other two that I've been really digging a uh, hundred foot wave. Um, I'm a surfer. And so that, 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 that is, is a pretty impressive one. And then I, I just finished the, uh, the formula one series on Netflix, which I'm not like wow. into car racing, but I, I, I found it to be a super compelling uh, uh, sort of psychological view into, to people who are into very extreme shit. <laughs> Same thing with 100 Wave. You are full of surprises. Very hard to define, but thank (laughs) you for doing this. Congratulations on the book and looking forward to the new music when it's time. Yeah, thank you so much. I appreciate the time. Thanks, Andrew. Take care. Cheers. There you go. Uh, Can you hear me there, Taj? I can hear you. How are you? Find yourself there. 
I'm well, thank you. Uh, looks like Morningstar Farms products are in front of you. Can you tell me a little more about that? Yes, um, I've partnered with Morningstar Farms uh, for this tailgating football season that is that is upon us. Um, I'm a huge football fan, and I also truly, really enjoy eating plant-based as often as I can. And I think it's cool that, uh, you know, we're bringing awareness to uh, uh, the plant-based healthy lifestyle, especially during football season when, you know, a lot of the snacks can be sort of, you know, heavy and you don't always have to have the pig for pigskin day. So um, yeah. I'm very excited about this partnership and uh, the entire lineup is delicious. It's wholesome. Um, and I'm, I'm very excited for, uh, for people to get to try it. You're not only a big fan of football, but you played college football. Was the plan at any point in your life to be a professional player, or was that just something fun to do between acting gigs? You know, I think anybody that, you know, plays any type of sport, if, if you're invested in it as much as I was, you know, um, during my high school years, I took a break from acting just to focus on football. I think, you know, your, your, your goal is always, you, you know, you shoot for the stars, you know, and I was able to get a, a, a D1 scholarship, which I'm, you know, super uh, grateful for. And uh, I'm, I'm glad I had that time in my life to sort of step away from Hollywood and just be a sports guy. And um, yeah, it's, it's uh, crazy to think about now that I was, you know, on the field, you know, juking people out and, you know, now I'm, I'm, I'm back on the camera, but uh, you know, like I said, I'm glad I had that time in my life and still very much so enjoy watching football. Can't, can't really uh, juke like I used to cause I'm getting up there in age, but you know, I, I'm, I'm, I still got the, I still got the quickness, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I mean, merging the two worlds of football and great snacks. I have seen your picks in USA today when you were competing against other celebrities, who would you say your best competition was in that one? I remember Bobby Moynihan was in that one, Tara Kiln from SNL. You remember who was almost as good as you? I, you know what? I don't remember, but it was, you know, those types of things are always fun, especially when you're with your, you know, your Hollywood colleagues, you know, it's always fun to meet other sports fans and, 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 and sort of battle it out in that way. Sure. So back to the Morningstar brand and all that. You mentioned it's a great line. Do you have a favorite snack or two when it comes to tailgating or just watching at home? Yeah, um, the two in front of me are definitely my favorite MVPs. They're my personal MVPs, which stands for Morningstar Farm Veggie Play. And these two are, um, you know, the, uh, some of the veggie tizers, which we have the nacho bites, we have the taquito bites, completely plant-based, so delicious wholesome i like to dip them in some guacamole maybe some salsa you know dip it in whatever you want but those are those are my go-tos and they are truly delicious i would not be here talking to you if they weren't <laughs> right well you're a smart guy uh here there's a ruby yeah. <laughs> smart guy in the works can you tell me more about that yes um it, you know we're we're working hard on that um good things take time so i'm just you know asking the fans to, to stay patient with me and I want to make it right. Smart guy fans are very vocal. They let me know all the time, you know, what they want, what they don't want. Um, so, uh, you know, we're taking our time with it. We do have the, uh, the possible home for it. And we do have a writer, um, uh, very talented. And uh, I'm excited for fans to sort of old fans and new fans alike to sort of 
get that old nostalgic nostalgic feeling with you know uh, leaving a, a lot of room for a, a new fan base to come in and enjoy what what smart guy did so well um you know back in the day are you a one project at a time kind of guy or are there five more in the works and you're just being very modest <laughs> i'm in a i'm in a i'm in a back-to-back -back, uh filming situation at the moment so <laughs> i think i go through uh I go through phases. If I want to step away, I step away. But I'm I'm in the I'm in the I'm in go mode right now. So um, uh, uh, a lot of film on the horizon. Just finished one up in Canada. Got back yesterday night, um, and then about to start another one in about a week or so. So very excited about what's to come. And I think uh, I think people will really enjoy what, what the projects I've got lined up. Between those projects football, this Morningstar Farms collaboration. That's a lot on your plate, but what's life like when you don't have to do all this stuff? Are there any surprising hobbies for you? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, I love, I'm, I like to call myself a barista now over quarantine. I uh, got really good at, you know, steaming and frothing my milk, putting it in little, uh, you know, designs in my latte cups and, uh, I love that. I'm a big family guy. I love spending time with my nieces, my nephew. I also have four god kids. So uh, all those uh, kids around me keep me busy. And it's a great form of birth control. <laughs> <laughs> uh, music. I have to assume you're a fan here. But do you remember the last concert you attended before the whole pandemic hit? That That's a tough question for a Ooh. lot of people. Man. Jeez, it was here in Hollywood, I know, but I can't remember which one it was. And I think it was like maybe in January before the pandemic started, but I I'm, I love, 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 love going to concerts. I, I used to be big in the, uh, the uh, you know, the Coachella, the Coachella thing, but now I'm a little too old for that now and it's way too hot out there for me. I'm like, let me just I'll, I'll go to the Greek theater or anything around, you know, LA, uh, if yeah. it's a band that I like, but, uh, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to being able to, uh, to go back consistently to, to, to concerts. Cause it's just so fun. So I, I have a lot of, uh, music, uh, friends as well. Uh, um, you know, we're, we're sending our Spotify playlists to each other, new bands to check out and all that. So I'm excited when we get back to some sort of uh, normalcy to be able to do all that safely again. Totally. Well, two quick questions and then you're free, man. The first one is football is clearly the number one sport. What's the number two sport for you for tailgating for Morningstar, et cetera? Ooh, probably baseball. I love going to baseball games, big Dodger fan. Um, I even like hockey games, but I say probably my number two would, would, uh, would be would be baseball and i really enjoy watching like track and field uh during the olympic uh the olympic times as well but yeah i'd say football first and then probably probably baseball you know i mean what's what's better than uh watching you know you know corey seager uh, hit a home run while you're eating a dodger dog you know <laughs> mma is but that's not the point here the last question for you uh, Besides this eventual Smart Guy reboot, what's a TV show that we should be watching? Do you have any recommendations real quick? And then you're free. Ooh, well, I'm a big, like, 
I'm a, I've been much, very much so into the sort of limited series thing. So, I mean, if you haven't watched Mayor of Easttown, uh, I definitely recommend that. I'm a big uh, uh, horror fan as well. So uh, The Outsider, which is a, a Stephen King adaption. I think that's also on HBO Max. Those are the two uh, latest. Oh, and then, you know, I'm a kind of a comic book nerd. So Titan as well. I guess I really like HBO Max because all those shows are on HBO Max. Well, now we know where the Smart Guy reboot is going. No, I'm kidding. Thank you for your time, man. <laughs> no, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. I didn't Thanks, Dodge. That's all. Keep, that's all I'm saying, though. <laughs> keep up the great work, man. Best of luck. Thank you. Thank you. Outrocast.